I love that message. And so often we think about these deep waters as a place we get hung up and drowned and struggle and all that. And yet he's saying we're, we're praying for him to lead us in the deep waters where our feet will fail us. Right? Because it says, because my faith will be made stronger. It's awesome. And I'll, I'll tell you something I remember from my life-saving days. Right? When you're throwing the ring or the rope or, or whatever or something, you don't throw it in front of the person. You know why? Because a panicking person can't get their, out, their hand out in front of them. If they're, they're like this. Guess where Jesus is when you feel like you're drowning? Right next to you. Right next to you. Love it. Love it. The big E. I didn't want to put the word up there. It causes fear in the hearts of Christians and non-Christians alike. And we do a lot of good, feel-good messages, and we attack some real problems, and we find comfort and, and, and security when we talk about things like faith and grace, and, and we open our Bibles and we get in some study. But this morning we're going to talk about something that, that we're going to take a little bit of a different look at this morning. So this can be a little more, a little more hardcore church, church. But last week I offered advice and instructions, and I believe our ability to receive this message is contingent on what we did with last week's information. So I want to revisit a portion of that message. I asked, why is our regular daily effort at connecting with God so important? And I said, because our mission as a church, and the church is not a building, the church is us, is to share the good news of the gospel and to show others the love of God. As a congregation, we are working alongside each other to guide everyone into a relationship with Jesus. That's everyone outside the church, your spouse, yourself, right? We're all in this together. I love this, kind of this kind of real loose casual statement. Our goal is to get to heaven and take as many people as we can with us, right? We're perpetuating a movement for wholeness in a fragmented world. And when we do things like partner with another Christian church, the Mennonites, for example, this in the next couple weeks. We're doing this. We're, we're uniting about the things that are truly important, the things that are truly uniting and significant and a movement towards wholeness. And it starts with being connected to God ourselves and asked if we would commit to that. And I challenge us to do more than make that our goal this past week. I hope that we'd be able to look back on the last seven days and say that we have continued to walk in faithfulness, that we had maintained even possibly deepening our connection with God each day beyond and between our time here in our sanctuary on Sunday morning. It's a challenge to keep and change that change that God has made within us and prepare ourselves to do something powerful in his name. In fact, I had kind of created this last week, right? This was the our plan for the week, the things we we're going to do. I had some ideas, and hopefully you made a plan. And if you're like me and you're completely honest, I didn't nail it, okay? Do you remember the frogs? Pull up the frogs here, right? The three frogs. I've decided to jump, and the next scene is they decided, but they hadn't done it. We have to take action, and I... I'm going to do this again this week. I had a great plan, and I get off a little easier than you guys, right? Because I'm a seminary student, right? And, and I lead Bible studies, and I have to prepare for Sunday. So I got my nose in the Bible every day of the week, and I love it. I love it. So I have it, I have it a little easier, but it still takes a conscious, intentional effort to do these things. So if you didn't do what you wanted or thought or planned to do, go again. Go again. All right? Regular regular connection with God, staying spiritually engaged, it's for your total health. And on that note, I shared with you a save the date on February 4th that we are having 
uh, a leadership conference. And that leadership conference really is as we view ourselves, every person in this church is a leader, a spiritual leader in the church, in your home, in the community. So everybody's invited. It's not clergy only. In fact, we don't want only just clergy there. And we have decided to make this year's focus on total wellness, right? Health, diet, exercise. Guess who your resident expert is going to be speaking Right? Got our nurse practitioner in the front row here. And we're going to talk about what that means. We're going to look at the verse that Jesus says, you know, he finds the man by the pool who's, who's lame and, and everybody's going past him for the blessings. And, and Jesus approaches the man and, and he says, don't you want to get well? Don't you want to get well? And that's the question we're going to ask. And we've even shortened it this year. It's only going to be from like 10 to 2 this year. And we're going to have lunch and we're going to have some awesome topics on total health and spiritual wellness. So please consider coming to that event. Your church is a deep partner in this ministry and that particular event. So how did you do with that last week? If you're like me, then, then we're going to go again. But this week, I've titled the message The Big E. And can you guess what the E word is? What? Easy. Easy? <laughs> if only. Evangelism. Oh, man, that word evangelism. Uh, what is an evangelist? What is an evangelist? Talks to everybody about church. Yeah, that's a good, that's a really good start. Does anybody think about the, the people on the corner? The end is near, right? The, the, I, I, to me, sometimes the, the, the term evangelist kind of has this negative connotation, right? The overly charismatic, and you, you just wonder if they're, you know, nuts or, or know something we don't know or just really passionate. And it's okay because if you look in the book of Acts, isn't that the first thing that the apostles or the disciples were accused of? I mean, Peter had to say, look, hey, we're not drunk. We're not drunk. We are on fire for the Lord, okay? So hopefully it doesn't carry a negative connotation, but I know for a lot of us it does because it involves stretching ourselves beyond the comfort zone. And before we dive much deeper in the topic of evangelism, I want to read this week's scripture, remember, that Al already shared with us this morning. From the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 28, verses 16 through 20, we recognize it as the Great Commission. Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountains where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. So I want to frame this passage. And I'm going to get you caught up a little bit with the events of Matthew 28. And this is a part of the resurrection story. The way we, we certainly read it at Easter time, but it's, it's important that we, we are familiar with the story year round, right? Scripture tells us that Mary Magdalene and the other Mary had gone to the empty, or to the tomb to visit it, and they found it empty. Okay? And, and there's this encounter, and part of this encounter is an angel Lord who said, why are you looking for him? He's, he's risen just like he told you he did. And he said, so he's going to go on ahead of you to Galilee, and that's where you'll see him. And now we're going to join it at verse 8. And it says, the women hurried away from the tomb, afraid yet was filled with joy, and ran to tell the disciples. So suddenly Jesus met them. Greetings, he said. They came to him, clasped his feet, and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee, and there they will see me. 
And as we look at the account of the Great Commission, we see that this is a multi-part instruction. And I know we think of the, the go and the baptize and the make disciples. But before all that, the first instruction is, is to go to Galilee. Jesus told them to go somewhere. So many times we get instructions and we, we do one of a few things. Right? We do just what we're told to do, you know, just enough. Right? Or perhaps we go the other extreme and with really good intentions, we do something more or different than what we were asked to do. And the Bible is loaded with stories of people of both types. And in our given lives, we probably do the same thing. If it's something we're excited about, I'm all in. And, you know? and there's sometimes we're like, I will do the bare minimum that you've asked me or required me to do. And I have to wonder how many of the 11 disciples went to Galilee as instructed and didn't expect or, or even want there to be more asked of them. I mean, they had witnessed what had happened to their teacher and friend, and they were certainly complicit of these alleged crimes that he had been killed for, right? You were there. I saw you with that man doing this heresy, this stuff. Perhaps their doubt wasn't as about as much who he was or the miracle of the resurrection. It was about their hesitation to do anything further for the mission. Oh, please, Lord, don't ask me to do anything. I am so scared right now. I'm so lost. But read what happens next in this same passage. All authority in heaven on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And I love this promise at the end. And surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. The instructions for the next step of Jesus' ministry on earth has been given. Go, go. Don't hang around this mountain. Don't even stay in Galilee. Go. Go and make disciples of all nations. This isn't work that can be done from home. And when we try this, right, we want to we Zoom save the world. And I mean Zoom the, the branded software, right? We want to do this stuff remotely or from the safety of our church, we are going to make a difference. And that's great and it's noble and all that. But it wasn't designed to work that way. We have to go. And then we had this message I shared a couple years ago about ground zero. And it doesn't just start, you know, when you leave. And I love the churches that have that sign that says the mission field starts here, right? As you leave church, you realize that that's where the work starts. It's not on the other side of the country. It's right here. But I said that starts right here. The person on your left, the person on your right, the person that you've got your arm around right now may need you to mission to them. They may be in a season where they need to be taken care of. We all do that. And we all need to be caregivers and care receivers at various seasons of our life. So don't overlook what go means. Sometimes it's go home and take care of your house. Go, he said. Make disciples. This is to make dedicated personal followers. How? By baptizing them and by teaching them just as Jesus commanded to do. Sometimes we think that this is evangelism. That's all there is. We have to go out and start baptizing people. Is that it? Is that evangelism? Maybe we just need to educate the world about our faith, right? This is what I believe. You should believe it too. Is that it? Is that evangelism? It's certainly the instruction given here to do those things. At least it's, so it's a part of the instructions to do of what we're supposed to do. But the Greek word, root of the word evangelism, means to share the gospel. So Donnie, you nailed it. When you said it's to go tell people, right? To share the gospel. Certainly it's a crucial tool and a step in making disciples and teaching the meaning and importance of baptism. We should absolutely include the good news of the resurrection and the gift of salvation it offers. That is evangelism. 
But even the Apostle Paul, who was certainly an evangelist, has several pieces of insight to offer. He says, so Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers to equip his people for work of every service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measurement of the fullness of Christ. It's a process. Now, Paul seems to have liked closing loopholes and choosing his words, and I notice this a lot as he's written. He's very careful, and he chooses words wisely, right? Nothing can separate us from the, the love of God. Good enough? Sure. No height, no depth, no good, no evil, no angel. He's like this. I mean, the guy, he was a tax collector, probably would have made a pretty good lawyer too, I'm guessing. But if he put those words in there, there's a probably a pretty good chance that it was intentional. And we've seen this through the epistle. So it's safe to assume that, that this list of roles includes intentional differences. So let's look at them. Christ himself sent the apostle. Apostle is one who is sent. Now, Paul was certainly sent, right? He met, he met uh, the spirit on the road and he was sent to go do something, okay? That's an apostle. Apostles didn't just exist in the Bible never again. Many are sent. And the prophet, this is one who proclaims the will of God. Now, we often think of Isaiah and Malachi and others, but if someone is from God's own words to them, to you, is proclaiming the will of God, that is a prophet. An evangelist is, right, one who shares the gospel and calls for repentance. Pastor, one who takes responsibility for, not ownership of, but responsibility for God's resources, for, for Jesus' flock, right? Shepherding a congregation is pastoring. Teaching, one whose work is to instruct. And they're all very important, and they're all very different callings. So Paul didn't say it's, it's all of this or just one of these. It's all these work together to equip the people. Some people may be gifted in one or more of these, and, and we can read from this passage script the, the purposes that each have their part to equip, right, for works of service. So the body, the entire body may be built up until we all reach unity and full maturity. And to this point, the Apostle Paul wrote in his first letter to the early church in Corinth, he says, For Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel. Interesting. He said, God sent me. I'm an apostle. He said, not to baptize. That God called me to preach. That is my gift. That is my calling. He says, not with wisdom and eloquence. And I love this. He says, lest the cross be emptied of its power. That's miraculous. There are a lot of people that God used that were reluctant leaders. Maybe ill-equipped leaders, I would say, in our terms. They're poor in speech, and God likes, I like what God says. Who gave you that speech? Right? So I'm, I'm slow in tongue. Well, who gave you your tongue, Moses? Right? I will tell you or equip you with everything you need to do. Right? We'll go out where our feet may fail, but Spirit will lead us where it needs to lead us. But Paul was sent as an apostle, but he was not sent to baptize us. But it was Paul's adherence to the commandment that, that Jesus gave to go and make disciples. It was quite evident. He taught and he made disciples. And the disciples that he helped make, they made other teachers and other disciples. Paul's evangelism is quite evident as revealed in the letters to young Timothy. Let's look at a couple pieces of that. He's writing Timothy, who, who's out there, a disciple that, Timoth that he had made in Timothy. And Timothy was out teaching and discipling others. He says, do your best to present yourself to God as one approved. A worker who does not need to be shamed and who correctly handles the word of truth. It says, but you keep your head in all situations. Endure hardship. 
right? He's not saying it's not coming. He says, endure the hardship. Do the work of an evangelist, right? The proclaimer of gospel. Do that work. And it says, discharge all the duties of your ministry. Now, someone who discharges their duties and responsibilities means you have done everything that needs to be done to complete it. He's saying, go and do. Do it fully. Do it well and with confidence. Now, as I mentioned a few minutes ago, we as humans... We often do one of two things. We do the bare minimum if we apply the effort. Or we miss the mark by misunderstanding and misapplying the instruction. Not that that's bad, but sometimes, you know, as we were talking about that, that message a couple weeks ago about hitting the target, what that looks like. And as we talk about the big E, evangelism, I hope to clarify a couple misconceptions that we may have about our well-intended efforts of what God's instruction and expectation for evangelism truly is, especially in the light of the great commission that has been placed on us. I also hope to change the connotation of the word evangelism so it is more in line with Paul's encouragement to Timothy, right, to present ourselves to God as one who's approved, a worker who feels confident and who correctly handles the word of truth. Handling the word of truth. How do we properly handle the gospel and share its message? I'm going to get into my business mode, right? These are my business slides now at the PowerPoint. I love this, I love this funnel. And, and I have to contrast what it is to have a discussion and what it's like to have a dialogue, okay? A discussion, now both are good. They're both more interactive and, and better than a lecture, right? I'm lecturing you now. Sorry, that's just what this calls for. But on Sunday mornings, we have discussions and dialogues, Right? But a discussion comes with a defined topic, a, an agenda, and even expectations and a motive from, what, from the person that's leading the discussion. Think about it. We have Bible study and discussion on Sundays and Wednesdays about a specific topic with the intention of developing a better understanding of the topic. That's our intention, our motive. And these are good and noble things. But by contrast, a dialogue is more of an open and accepting of ideas brought by the individual people who participate. As a part of conflict utilization, class I just finished, dialogues are, are powerful tools because all voices and needs have an equal opportunity to be heard, okay? You want to bring peace, you have a dialogue. You don't have a discussion, right? This is how we're going to deal with it. Discussion is what's bothering you? What do we need to do? What do we need to do? I thought we had an awesome dialogue up here Thursday evening as the Menominee Committee was meeting and we were talking about roles and responsibilities in the direction of the church. I thought that was awesome. And I'm so excited about this next season of ministry as we have our congregational meeting next month and talk about what that looks like and hear the committee reports and the committee plans. It was a great dialogue. But what does this have to do with evangelism? I think we have to shift our thinking from the discussion of the topic, agenda, and motive, which is a good one, right? We want to get everybody to heaven. We want people to come to church. I think we need to shift that to a dialogue about another person's needs. Church, there is a growing number of people who do not have a relationship with God, do not attend church, or have any interest either because of one simple reason. Do you know what it is? They don't believe it's relevant. None of it. None of it. Like it or not, it doesn't matter what you have to say if it's not what someone is interested in. The hymns, the scripture, the biblical accounts, meaningless and thus it solves a problem that they care about. And, and I, I tell you what, I, I am trying to do my sermons, and I've done better today's little different shift, of solving a problem with each message each Sunday. What does the Bible say about this problem that we all share, right? Work-home-life balance. 
stress and dealing with things. You know, we have a pandemic and all that is taking care of ourselves, making sure that we're staying spiritually connected. This is why our efforts and discussions need to be dialogues. They can't be filled with a church speak that they must be perceived as relevant, right? We, we're here. We believe, we know, we feel, we understand. This is where we want to be here on Sunday morning. We choose to be here. I found this little cartoon. You know, there's this little circle popping through a brick wall, a circle of brick walls. If you want to make it through, just be yourself, right? Hey, you want to get to heaven? You know, believe in Christ. Who? Do what the good book says. The what? You know, just don't sin. What? You know, and people are sitting there that don't understand that. And, 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 and we can't just say, just try harder, do better. Be like me. Because, right, what's the church full of? I don't hurt your feelings, but I'm accounting myself as one. Hypocrites, right? We all know we should be doing better. We're all trying to do better. That's the part of the support system here. We aren't condoning it. We're accepting it. We're working through it together. And there are many good and important ministries and events that are not true evangelism. So consider these. Have you ever heard this? I'm a silent witness for Christ, right? I'm a silent witness for Christ. That's not sharing. That's not even, that's not evangelism, right? You're just keeping the good news to yourself. That's the opposite of evangelism. How about inviting someone to church? That is fantastic. I love it. Please keep it up. Please keep it up. But that's church marketing. That's getting people in here, which is a tool of connecting people, but it's not evangelism. It's not. Asking someone, are you a Christian? It's a great conversation starter or an ender, depending on who you're talking to, right? It is. It's not evangelism. Now, if you tell people, about Christianity, that is. Giving money to missionaries, scriptural behavior, absolutely should be doing. Not evangelism. Do you know why? Think about that. A lot of churches, they donate gifts and then they, or school supplies, and they give it to a school. Um, and what happens? The only person that knows that a church gave it was the secretary, right? It's true. And yes, it's a good effort and needed, and we should be doing this, but this is community service. If you want to make it evangelism, then you better be tell, sending something in the pencil box. Or, or I joked about this as I was having this discussion this week. You better say something cool on the pencil like, you don't want to go to hell, do you? Probably get thrown out. <laughs> but, <laughs> um, yeah, so they, uh, they laugh. But, it, but, I mean, it makes a point, right? That's, that's community support. Should be doing it. Caring for those in need. Should be doing it. That is not the definition of evangelism. Feeding the hungry. You know, another scriptural behavior. It's community service. Great outreach. Great caring for others. Exactly what Jesus did. But if you aren't talking to them about the gospel while you're feeding them, it's not evangelism. Telling people the things that you don't do because you're a Christian. Probably another conversation ender. Saying, I'll pray for you. Great care. Absolutely should be doing it. I still think we should up our game and actually pray for them with them right there. Right? That's not everybody's comfort level. But if you're saying, I'm going to pray for you, by all means, please pray for them. That's why we take notes on Sunday morning of the prayer requests. You know, I know who I'm going to be praying for Wednesday and Thursday. Right? And these other appointments during this week. I know. Promising someone they will go to heaven if they only believe in Christ. More to that, it's about the relationship. That's not evangelism. Now, telling them what Christ has done and why that changes things, that's it. And of course, telling, you know, telling people, pray this prayer, telling people you're, 
that I'm a Christian, that's not evangelism. It might be inspiring, but if I'm not following it up with what that means, that's not evangelism. I'm not beating us down by any means. The things we do are extremely important, every one of them. But we are also called to be evangelists, to share that. Remember the definition of evangelism. Share the good news of the gospel with someone. That's what we're called to do. Paul is a strong personality, a dynamic teacher, and a preacher and a disciple maker, no doubt. And he was also an effective evangelist. So we need to further the ministry of Jesus Christ in the world and certainly join the great co-mission, right? It's a partnership as a church and as individual Christians. We absolutely need to do that. We need to care for the poor, support our community with our events and involvement, invite people to church where they can connect, where they can learn, where they can get support, and most importantly, deepen their relationship with the Lord. That's why we're here. That's why we're here. But we also need to share the good news that we know and enjoy. And we need to make disciples. That's the, that's the line from the, the commission. So take an apple seed out of the apple fruit, right? And go plant it. What happens? It doesn't grow more apples. It grows more apple trees, right? It, it produces another tree, which produces fruit, which produces more seed, which produces more trees, which produces more seeds, apples, which produces more seed. Do you see how that works? Friends, disciples make disciples. Share the good news. Plant seeds. And what are we asked to do? It's not supposed to be complicated. It's not supposed to be born out of guilt or response to external pressure. You know, I'm not going to sit here and tell you, you guys, we're doing a horrible job of evangelism. I just want us to remember that there's a part that we need to be doing very, very well in addition to what we're doing. It's not intended to be church marketing. It's not intended to be revenue generating, not this piece of it. It's about making a difference and saving lives. We're called, we aren't called to critique other religions or churches or leaders. Our efforts don't come from a position of superiority. Remember, we're hypocrites. We're all in this together. Evangelism, just like worship and offering our time, talents, and treasures, it's not an activity, it's a way of life. And I want to close with with Jesus' own words to his disciples on the topic, Matthew 9, 37 through 38. He said, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. There's a lot of work to be done out there. He said, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out more workers into the harvest field. Now, I'm going to change things up just a little this week. I'm going to change the order of the service with a purpose. Before we take communion, I want to stand and sing our hymn, Here I Am, Lord. Because it's a beautiful song which captures the spirit of the disciple-making heart that God has placed within us. And if you're open to it, listen to the words and see if you don't hear the message that's being spoken. Would you stand as we join this song? Beautiful song, beautiful message. Maybe it spoke to you. I will tell you with confidence there are people in this room who have expressed an interest, a calling to go and make a difference to go out and reconnect people with a relevant message. And from this place, I'm sorry, you can sit down. (laughs) I'm going to roll to make it, to bring relevance to the gospel that we take to people. And we are going to make that a mission. That's not everybody's calling, but I know, I want you to know that there is a movement in this church and we're going to make a difference in the community. And I know this is a little bit different message than I, than I often share, but I really felt compelled to share it this week and I'm excited about it. So, um, So let me just close with a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you for who you are, the passion you put within our hearts, the good news, the grace, the love and mercy you show us, 
Lord, you haven't asked us to share any gift or good news that you have not applied to our individual lives. You have asked us to make a decision. Do we want to be made well? Do we want to be made whole? Do we want to receive forgiveness and grace and mercy and a life eternal? We want the gift of salvation. You made it possible when you sent your son who died on that cross and took our sins to the grave with him and rose and we began again anew. A bridge, a clean slate, a new covenant with you. Heavenly Father, we thank you for that. We are so sorry for what we did our part in, in the sin and our, our lives and our choices that, that did that. But Lord, we, we rejoice in the new life that you offered to us. Father, as we wind down the service here this morning, we just thankful. May we be changed for all we've heard this morning. May we continue to seek you in our lives every single day and not miss a single opportunity to point to you and say, this is what our God, God does. Send your sons and we pray. Amen.